Welcome to episode 161 of Telepractice Today with Kim Dutro Allen and Dr. Todd Houston. Hey, welcome back to another episode. Um, my once again, my summer series of as seen on Instagram for <laughs> telepractice tips. Um, Stacy Krause again has a great one on a blog post on organizing um, how to organize some of your links and some of your materials, and it's something that I have as a goal during the summer because once the school year hits. <laughs> It's just mm-hmm. not going to happen, and I am flying by the seat of my pants every mm-hmm. day to get things and make sure I have everything organized. So some of the tips that she gave is using, make sure you're using the folders options on, like, boom cards. They have nice ways to organize all of your boom cards. Um, and she has, like, Excel sheets that she'll put links in. So she has all of her links that are related to, um, I think she usually does it by... Uh, categories and different um, uh, topics that she talks about with her kids. And um, so that's another way to do it. Uh, Todd told me about one tab, which has been the saving grace that you can, you know, you can click a button, add it as an extension on Chrome, click a button, and it will take all of those tabs that you had open, collapse them into something that you can you can save, you can name it, you can go back to it over and over again. And mm-hmm. that's something that's really helpful too. So I don't have 50 million tabs <laughs> open and slowing down my internet when I'm working with a student. Mm-hmm. So that would be my tip is to take this summer and start organizing some of those materials. So when you're hit the ground running in the school year, you can find all of those great resources because there's so, so, so many resources out there. And it almost becomes mm-hmm. that it's harder to find the resource that you already have than it is to like find a resource for the thing that you need because <laughs> there's something out there it's right. and you probably already have it you just got to be able to find it when you need it exactly exactly and my problem is i i organize things and then, then i can't find it yep <laughs> <laughs> i try come up if, with um, systems and then i don't well that's what through. my thing is if nothing else name it something that makes sense name the right. file something that makes sense so if you don't know where you put it you can still search for it there you go there you go yep but i always forget the system that i named it or <laughs> lose the piece of paper i wrote it down on right, or whatever right. you know it's so constant well, struggle but speaking of instagram and and the tips you've been getting off of there yeah I did post something this week on Instagram that we don't usually do, but I did post uh, a solicitation to see if we could get some some of our listeners to come on and be guests on the podcast, or they can refer someone. Yeah, if they think of you know we should uh, reach out and get someone on, and they don't have to be SLPs, they can be anyone doing telepractice, or 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 if they have something really good to share. If they are an expert in something that that you think more SLPs and allied health professionals need to hear, yep. we'd be happy to have them on and talk about it. Yeah. Uh, they don't have to necessarily uh, be someone who's doing telepractice right now, right? But but maybe they have uh, some things to share about trauma or some other topic that mm-hmm. that would be beneficial. So please uh, refer yourself 
uh, and I've gotten a couple of emails already from people oh, that great. are uh, wanting to come on. And so we're going to set those up. And if you think we should have some person on that you've heard at a conference, send them our way. Yeah. So, yeah, hopefully For we'll sure. get even more people on the show, yep. on the podcast. Yep. And we're, and we're still working through, I think, our list of um, people that we wanted to get on that we heard at ASHA. Mm -hmm. And today we have one of those two. We have mm -hmm. uh, Tara Real, and she is the head of SIG-18 and has so um, many things that she shares with us. She's been an overseas telepractice SLP for, I think she said 13 years. So way, wow. way before wow. it was cool. <laughs> <laughs> to do that telepractice. Is... And we're so glad we got her on today. Yeah, she's great. Hi, it's Todd Houston. I'm a co-host of Telepractice Today with my dear friend, Kim Allen. And I just wanted to take a moment and ask you a favor. You see, we at the 3C Digital Media Network... Yes, and I am also the CEO of 3C, as we call it. We need you. We need you to maybe develop a webinar that we could distribute for you. Or maybe it's a course that you have in mind that you'd like to share your knowledge and skills. We would want to do that with you. We can help you distribute produce and distribute all of those things. We have blogs that you could do. Maybe you want to start in this whole wild world of online publishing and online media, and you want to start with a blog. We would be very happy to host that blog on our website. So if you have some ideas about blogging or a webinar or maybe a course that you'd like to offer, or maybe you have an idea for a totally new podcast. You may not know this, but we actually produce five podcasts, and it's growing. And so, who knows? Maybe you have an idea for a podcast. We would love to talk to you. In fact, I would love to talk to you. I would love to showcase what you're doing, your knowledge and skills, no matter what it might look like. Course, webinar, podcast, blog, doesn't really matter. You can reach out to me at Todd at 3cdigitalmedianetwork.com. That's T-O-D-D at the number 3, 3C, C as in cat, digitalmedianetwork.com and I will be in touch. Thank you for considering this and we'll talk soon. Okay, welcome Tara to the podcast. We're so excited to have you on. Um, give us a bit of your background, what you're doing now, how you got into telepractice. Um, I've been in telepractice almost 13 years. Now, it uh, started on a whim, kind of on a fluke of I was working at an in-person clinic and a family had come in from international overseas for intensives. And at the end of the intensives, it was our last day. Mom was crying. I was crying like we weren't going to see each other for a whole nother year. 
their kid had made just such excellent progress. And the mom's like, we don't have anyone back in our home country who can work on this. Like, what am I supposed to do? Um, and being about 12, 13 years ago, Asha kind of just really officially made the statement of, it had never been against the rules of telepractice, but they officially had come out with an official statement saying, yes, telepractice is a viable means of providing therapy. And so I said, look, I haven't done this. I'm going to be honest here, like blind leading the blind here, but I'm happy to give it a try. And we jumped in and it's a fantastic connection. I love to tell everybody that um, that student starts college here in the United States here this fall, and I will be there to help her move into her dormitories and get settled. And so I'm really excited for that. But that just kind of opened the doorway for me for telepractice. And it was funny when I started, I always said I would not do telepractice full-time. I would always have an in-person clinic. And now for the last 10 years, I have been doing telepractice full-time. Um, it's the only therapy I provide, and I love it. My caseload is predominantly overseas. Um, I actually only have a small handful of U.S. clients in a couple different states. And um, I specialize only in executive functioning and social cognition. So that's the only work I do now, which is what I'm passionate about, what I love. And awesome. uh, I do that. And then I am coordinator for ASHA's SIG-18 for telepractice. And then speak at conferences and, you know, just try to stay busy in all my downtime. <laughs> <laughs> and your your practice is Speechy Keen, SLP, correct? It is, yeah. You know, so people who have seen that know that's you. Um, you have the telepractice course that's been out there. A lot of people have been trained taking the course. Yes. Yeah. So, I'm, I'm super passionate about helping people take it to the next level. So there's like intro good. to telepractice, but what's the extra tech and the extra fun and the extra magic yeah. we can bring to those sessions? Yeah. I like those because a lot of, I like that you had different levels too. Cause I think a lot of people were just like, just give me the basics. I need to know <laughs> what mm -hmm. to do to, you know, switch to telepractice on Monday after Friday, <laughs> go mm -hmm. hit those yes. kinds of situations, which we hope never happen again. But yes. just those people that are wanting to get into it and not knowing how or wanting or got thrown into it and now are wanting to know how to get better at it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So Tara, let's let's talk let's talk international since that's what you do. Let's say I'm just starting out with I've been doing telepractice and I'm just starting to venture into some international work. How do you get started and what do you, you know, what are some things we need to really, I should really consider first? Um, licensure rules, because there are some countries that just ban us 100%. Like we can't work there. Um, right now, I have a fantastic family who has reached out and it's heartbreaking, cannot help them because they are in Taiwan. And not only does Taiwan have some very stringent licensing rules, um, as well as in-country rules for their therapists, um, there's uh, they're really pushing back. It started during COVID, but really pushing back against telemedicine as well, making a hmm. lot of lockdowns on telemedicine as well there. So um, the family's actually hopefully looking to maybe be moving anyways. Um, um, that is not where they are from originally. Most of my families are in foreign countries for work or one spouse is from there, the other isn't. All my clients are English for speaking. So first thing is figure out the licensure, which can be an absolute crazy headache for some states and other places are super easy. Like I love to tell the story of Hong Kong, which was mm -hmm. I think 36 hours from the second I submitted all my paperwork to having oh. a license in my email box. Wow. So they are 
efficient, they are clear, they are very explicit in what they want, and it's very easy to get everything, and you could do it all digitally, which um, even some states that I have to do with here in the U.S. won't let me submit everything digitally. They're still... Check. I had to find my checkbook recently to, to get one of my licenses, and that was a jump. But I would say licensure first. The next piece is um, I really work hard to make connections on the ground there outside of the family. So um, I do work with adults, but most of my caseload is uh, high school to elementary school. And so I work really hard to make connections not only to their school. A lot of my students work, uh, attend international schools. So therefore speaking with the counselors or the SLPs or the people who are in the school there and really make a good connection with them, but also any other support people in the area. You know, I ask the families and I ask the schools, who's everyone going to for sensory processing? Who's everyone going to for auditory processing? Who is the OT in the area, the PT in the area? And make sure I try to make some connections on the ground there, not only for referrals. If I see something my client needs, I want to be able to say, here's a resource for you. Here's where you go. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Which is not easy to do when, I mean, I've never been to Hong Kong, you know? And so, um, but I have made some great connections there. I know some great Mm -hmm. resources just from pulling the parents and working closely with the school personnel. Um, I'm also really, really passionate about making sure that you join their SLP organization there. I'm really passionate about making sure that we are furthering the profession around the world, you know, and Mm -hmm. um, working closely with the organizations there in country, um, offering to speak at their conferences or asking questions and keeping those lines of communication open in their Facebook pages or however they communicate. WhatsApp is very popular overseas. Mm -hmm. So many of my clients use WhatsApp, but many of the organizations also have WhatsApp like channels everyone chats on. Trying to keep those connections there too, to make sure that I am not there's a hard mindset, even just crossing state lines here in the U.S., but especially international, if you're stealing clients, even though we're in an SLP deficit around right. the world. And right. for things that I can refer to in country, I always try to. Um, but really making sure that I'm not just stealing clients, but I'm finding ways to get back in that country and help support the SLPs that are on the ground there as well. So I usually start with those pieces. And then there's the whole world of cultural competencies on top of that, which has been a learning curve and a half (laughs) along the way. (laughs) What are some of the uh, interesting things you've learned? I have one, one thing I can share uh, that we've, we've talked about before. uh, But um, what are some of the interesting things you've run into in terms of the, the cultural differences? Um, you know, I've had families ask me to work with their students, you know, because being executive functioning social cognition, there's a lot of these social rules or expectations that my kids struggle to pick up independently on their own, you know, and even a little bit more explicitly explained. Um, I'm very much, I want to explain how everyone else is working and then you can choose whether or not you want to follow it, but it's not fair for my kids to constantly be thrown into these situations and nobody's kind of explained the rules to them. Yeah. But I've been asked to explain rules and situations that I don't understand. Um, many, many of my families actually have help who live in the house who do things like cook and clean and nanny the kids and pieces like that. And I've absolutely been asked, like, can you please go over with him? Like, what's expected and unexpected for how he interacts with the help? <laughs> No, <laughs> only because I don't know. Never been in that situation, but I can Never. tell you how to do it. <laughs> yeah. So I actually, it becomes a really good conversation between me and the parents where it's like, I think we need a parent meeting. I need, think you need to explain this to me further. And then we can mm-hmm. work together on, you know, how you can explain it, how I explain it, how we can work as a team there. Um, many of my countries have, um, you know, we hear about in India, the caste system right. of different tiers. I didn't realize how prolific that was across a lot of parts mm-hmm. of Asia. And I have definitely stepped on toes, not realizing that and mm-hmm. asking the wrong 
like I'll send out a mass email. Everyone's blind copied on it, mm-hmm. but like, hey, time to schedule for the fall. Right. Here's the link to the scheduling site. You know, have right. at it, and I'll go one week, two week, three weeks, and mm-hmm. none of my clients in one country have scheduled. Mm-hmm. No one's scheduled. And I'm like, <laughs> and I'll send it out again. And thankfully for one mom who's actually at the bottom of that order finally sent me a message. She's like, so we need to talk. (laughs) (laughs) You're offending everybody right now. Love you. You can't do it this way. Um, And I was like, well, how do I figure out at the top? And she's like, well, depends on where the husband works. Depends on where the husband and wife went to college. Depends on what school their kid is in. It depends on who actually contacted you first. Like all these are pretty much like the most complicated math equation you can think of. And I'm an SLP, so I don't math. And (laughs) one of those boards with the strings on it and everything to figure it out. And so thankfully, finally I was like, okay, can I have a hint? (laughs) And so thankfully she's like, you might want to ask so-and-so first. And they all know each other because the one parent found me and just told her community about me. I've never marketed. It's always been parent referrals for me. And so thankfully, because they all know each other, and so there's not a HIPAA violation or anything there, I literally went to the main parent. I was like, I apologize. You know, I sent out that email. Um, You know, I would love to offer you first choice, you know, on my, because I have one (laughs) night that all my international clients are, you know, so I'm like, first dibs on Friday night, whatever time slot you want. And then she's like, great. So she goes in and schedules. And then I sent a message again. I'm like, thank you so much for scheduling. Can I ask a favor? You know, can you, could you help me get the rest of this schedule? (laughs) Y'all, within eight hours, my entire schedule was done because (laughs) she was the top. And she knew the exact order mm-hmm. to get everybody else in. And Elton. because she was the top, she could be like, hey, I need this done. Get on here. do." And everyone fell into line, I guess is the word. And like, it was all done. And it's been yeah. great. But I've definitely stepped on some toes, not realizing all these kind of different cultural rules around even things as easy as scheduling, much less holidays and seasons and weather and you know all the thing my i tell everybody my news feed is hilarious if people looked at my news feed because it's not only just here in colorado for me mm-hmm. my news feed is i need to know if there's a typhoon coming into the philippines i right. need to know that a building came crashing down right near mm-hmm. the condo where many of my families live in hong kong mm-hmm. i need to know you know i need to know all of these things to be able to be relevant and talk with my families and their children about what's important and relevant and happening in their world outside of just what I'm getting through the U.S. news feeds here. Going back and to I your... Feel ex- like those, yeah. I was just going to say, those are also, they're almost like soft skills. Like, I feel like everyone thinks, oh, I mm-hmm. just need to get a license and that's what I need to do and then I can jump in. But what you're talking about is all of the layers of things that mm-hmm. you also have to consider on top of just getting a license, which can be... The, one of the hardest, but not the the last thing you have to think about with those. The license can be the hardest. Mm-hmm. Fo- the faux pas can be the most embarrassing and right. humbling. Right. <laughs> I just rage against the licenses sometimes, yeah. but there's definitely been many situations where I've had to swallow any amount of pride I have left and apologize profusely. Well, in the example you just shared, I was just thinking about the last family to sign in, to sign up, you know, did they know they were the last family? In other words, in the pecking order, they were the lowest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, yeah, they, maybe they didn't realize it until they were at the bottom. Yeah, I, 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 I think they're, I think they all have a much, it's just more second nature for right. them. Like they know where they are. And so there was no complaints about the fact that they got like the 6.30, 7 a.m. time slot right. and they just. 
They are up. Right that's, that's what their it. Saturday mornings look like because it's Friday night here, Saturday morning there. That's just right. the slot they get, and that's where they kind of stand with it all. That is so interesting. That's that's yeah. really crazy. Yeah, uh, the only sort of international thing I was that kind of um, was interesting when I was I was in South Africa and uh, a few years ago now doing uh, speaking at a conference and and they were <clears throat> there was a a doctoral student uh, showing some videos of uh, some research they'd done on early intervention for kids with hearing loss and all the all the videos show the parents coming to like the kitchen table and the kids are like in their pajamas you know really yawning and stuff and and they had she had explained that they have to start their sessions at 6 a.m mm-hmm. because by nine when everyone goes into work the internet slows down mm-hmm. or did at the time and and they can't do any telepractice sessions have you yeah. have you run into things like that uh, quite a few times. So I worked on the ground in Rwanda. I was not planning mm. to go there as an SLP. I was actually going to give my friends a break um, who ran a program there and kind of relieve them um, and check on some investment properties and things like that uh, for a nonprofit I work for. And word got out that there was an SLP on the ground. <laughs> it was me. <laughs> and so I uh, ended up running a makeshift uh, almost parent training center. Mm out of the uh, basement of my friend's house during the time I was there because families were just coming to the door. Um, this was quite a few years ago, about 11 years ago now. And, you know, uh, there was still very much a big mindset for a lot of families around curses and special needs and a lot right. of like community shame, those pieces. Mm-hmm. So it was a lot of early sneaking out and stuff. But yeah, if there's a soccer game going on in Kigali in Rwanda. You don't have just not have internet. You don't have power because all the power gets redirected for the lights in the stadium. Wow. And so you just sit in the dark mm-hmm. and like read by flashlight or, you know, I think like my Kindle, my backlit Kindle while I was there. <laughs> but uh, yes, a lot of my Asian countries, typhoons are typhoon season is a thing. Right. Um, and that will drastically impact internet. It's gotten better now. 13 years ago, um, all my families were on satellite internet. So the typhoons mm-hmm. were really impacting. Um, thankfully, now many of them have gotten onto fiber and some other things to their countries so it is more steady but COVID definitely impacted like i'm noticing now that you know i mean up until just this time last year some of my countries were still in lockdown so mm-hmm. there were still a lot of people working from home on the inter- same internet lines mm-hmm. as their entire condo building or their community those things so thankfully a lot of them now have um opened back up again and are traveling again and returning to work again and so i've already noticed a drastic increase on um their internet side. I always pay like every six months I check to see if I can boost my internet anymore here at the house mm-hmm. um, just to be able to take some of the internet load off for them, mm-hmm. you know, to have mm-hmm. that higher internet. But I've noticed now that um, we we run into fewer and fewer problems or lags when screen sharing or any, you know, even a few second lag can be pretty drastic in a telepractice session if you're just oh, yeah. barely holding a kid's attention, wow. you know, but um, I've noticed that's definitely decreased mm-hmm. as more and more of my countries over in Asia specifically have opened up. Yeah, I had a student during um, when everyone went home and because usually I work, do telepractice in the schools. 
Um, but when everyone was at home, I had one kid that I figured out that there was like a five second delay between when he would say something and when I would hear it. So I'm trying to correct an R and he keeps on saying it wrong because I'm not, he thinks I'm not saying anything. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and we couldn't figure it out. I did everything with his home internet that I could figure out how to do and finally just was like, okay, I need you to say the R once, wait until you see a thumbs up for me <laughs> and then you can <laughs> say the next one. <laughs> yes. The amount of families, even here in the U.S., who I was sending to the library, a lot of libraries will actually um, let you use your library card to borrow a, a puck for um, mm-hmm. to, for the Internet and stuff. So the yeah. amount of families I was sending even just to see if we could boost it that way. Let's check to see if, you know, we can get a little a hot spot would give us just a little bit more of a boost yep. you know, in those or, places. Or, or have everyone else get off of Netflix <laughs> <laughs> yes. while we're in our session. Definitely been mid-session where the kids like... <laughs> Brother, get <laughs> off Netflix. I can't see Teacher Tara. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. great. So, Tara, <clears throat> I think you have a, a very, very unique perspective on the field, both internationally and, of course, nationally here in, in our home country. Um, and your involvement with SIG 18, you know, you can see the, some cutting edge things there. What do you think the future is going to be going if you had your crystal ball and you could look out the next two to three years, where do you think SLPs need to really focus? Uh, it's funny. Uh, I do. I do have a bit of a crystal ball. Um, each year in January, I attend a conference that's not SLP related. Uh, my big passion is constantly telling SLPs that what's happening within the field is important, but it's more important what's happening outside of our field. Um, Mm. Because a lot of other professions are earlier adopters of technology than we are. And I think that's a really important place to be keeping our ear to the ground. I mean, the amount of skills you can learn from people who've been teaching English to China, you know, I have Mm -hmm. great YouTube videos out there explaining it. Streamers, people who are gamers and are streaming, Mm -hmm. they have great advances in technology, even just lighting and how they set up their space to make it more conducive, you know, to holding the attention of the people watching those pieces. Um, I definitely think, uh, and then attending this conference, which is full of gamers and full of the latest tech and even new ideas and new pitches, hearing new pitches of what's coming out. I think wearable technology is going to be a really big mm-hmm. piece that SLPs can really tap into. I mean, not only just from the medical perspective, now being able to remote, you know, check respirations and check heart rates and monitor those pieces. Um, we have wearables that can show us stress and anxiety responses, pieces like that, which can give us a lot of information that we'd be able to see better in person that can be hidden easier by a telepractice. And I think those wearable pieces, those kind of things we're listing as disruptive technologies, I think that we've got a lot of potential there to be able to get more information, not only for ourselves, but for our clients. I mean, how often, you know, have we been able to show them like their data, show them how to correct pronunciations they've had, show them improvement over time. And to have this kind of data now that we can get even remotely can be really, really significant. I think really a lot of improvements when it comes to cameras and microphones you know That's i still what, yeah my still husband see- my husband's in the tech world too mm-hmm. so but he brought home a camera that was just for himself that could lock onto people's faces and then follow them around the room and i wanted so bad to send it to my preschool that i was doing telepractice in. 
<laughs> just yeah. be like, then they can run around and I can still see them and know what, what they're doing. But I think so, stuff like that where we're thinking like outside of our own little I'm an SLP box. Yes. And outside of just like, okay, I've got a laptop. It's got a built-in camera. Let's right. go. You right. know, I mean, people laugh, but I actually have three webcams here right now. Well, why? Because they all have different purposes in a session. And to not be, I tell people all the time, don't reach forward and grab your main camera. That's like invading personal space for your client. Like to be doing that, like suddenly your hand's huge and on the screen kind of piece. So I have three different cameras. I got one that faces outside. Why? Because most of my clients are international. So they find it really interesting when Colorado's getting a snowstorm where I find it. Mm -hmm. I call it a Wednesday. They call it really cool. You know? <laughs> so, you know, I always have one facing out the window and very invariably one of my kids is like, what's the weather there today? You know, and so I could just switch to the camera and they could take a peek and they're like, look at all the snow on your tree today, teacher Tara, you know, I've got one that's way down low. Why? Well, for pictures and um, stimulus books and things like that. I've just got one that's just set up and literally a permanent mark on my desk here, where to set the stimulus book so it lines up with my camera, you know, those kinds of pieces. But we've got new cameras coming out that are actually meant for conference rooms, but they'd be oh, fantastic for therapy yes. where they're literally domes of 360. So you can have a group even of teenagers where everyone's not needing to be in the same room and connect from their own laptop. They can all be sitting around. I love being an executive function therapist working on cooking. I can have that set up in the middle of the class, middle of the kitchen for my kids. They can all be moving around. I can see everything that's going on. I can interact with all of them. We've got great Bluetooth lavaliers that are super easy just to plug in, to immediately connect. You don't have to download software. So I can get that great audio even for the kid who's walking away and moving away. And I don't need them to be like, I can't hear you. Come closer. Yeah. Those pieces. You know, I think we've got a lot of technologists coming in. And I think there's needs to be a big look at AI, not only from the ethics perspective of using AI, but there's a lot of really great AI programs out there that, I mean, I saw one when I was at this conference in January that um, you just put it as an intake, part of the intake, like before each session, you know, when the client clicks in and are you located at home, you know, you know, keep in mind, you can only, be, I always tell my clients, you can only be in these eight locations or I cannot see yep. you for our session and all those kind of reminders. But then it just asks them a few questions and they respond on the video to the question that comes up. And the AI can then send you a flag as to whether wait, we, you've got a mental health concern on your hand or not just from watching facial expressions and learning the client's facial expressions week to week and learning the responses of like, tell us something great that happened this week. Tell us what your biggest struggle was this week. And just the responses, AI can sit there and decide whether or not you need to flag and be aware of that there could be some mental health um, struggles happening that week for a client as well. There's all these pieces that I think we've got a lot of potential that other fields are tapping into that I think mm -hmm. SLPs really need to keep an eye on and be listening to, whether it's a professor who needs to know that ChatGPT might be writing their grad student's report <laughs> to, you know, um, how, how can we make sure that we're providing the best care and keeping our profession and holding our profession to a higher level by knowing what's out there technology wise and how to utilize it to best serve our clients. Yeah. And then I was just thinking about the fact that you work with students that have are doing executive functioning and how much all of these tools can also help with their executive functioning. And if you don't know about it as their SLP, you can't tell them like, you know, all of these mm -hmm. new calendar things and apps and all of the things that can help them with that as well. We had a, one of my students who's going to college soon was working on her um, form to submit to the disabilities department and her university for her executive functioning and ADHD and those pieces. And she was like, I just, I, I don't know how to explain it. I don't know how to explain it. You better believe we absolutely utilized chat GPT and we use it as a language lesson of, okay, that didn't give you the answer you want. Oh, what you want that in first person, or do you want that to sound friendlier? Or do you want more emphasis on this? Well, tell it what you want. And we really worked on it as a language lesson, but also as an executive 
executive functioning lesson of I can't form it up here in a way that somebody else can understand it. How can I put it into this machine so it can spit it out so I can then put this on my disabilities form to make sure I've got the accommodations I need to be successful at the university level. That's great. Yeah. And yeah, I think I th- using it as a tool to know mm-hmm. how to re- ask the right questions mm-hmm. instead of it just thinking for you, I think yeah. is where people assume that it's going to do, but you have to be able to ask it and tell it the right things. And I think that is a skill that we can teach our kids. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'll put on my university hat for a moment, but uh, you know, I think I was having this conversation today, as a matter of fact, about um, we as faculty in university training programs in speech language pathology, that we need to, to really train our our grad students who will be practitioners at clinicians in a very short time to think about technology. And mm-hmm. I think when we talk about technology, we, you know, some may think of telepractice now, but it's usually just AAC, which is very, very important. Mm-hmm. But they don't yeah. think beyond AAC. And and I unless it's just a interest of a faculty member somewhere. They're not hearing about all these other technologies that they could be using to help their clients and help their patients. Absolutely. It's something that that I'm really passionate about. I know others are too, Michelle. (laughs) (laughs) Well there. And and so we we've been talking about those things and you know, and just even making things more accessible if it's for a student in the public school and you know, where they could have, you know, their um iPad on their desk and with a caption going, you know, real-time captioning going on across the iPad, you know, that will help that child be more successful, you know? Um, So, you know, but we, we're not teaching those kinds of extent sort of extensions of technology beyond just the AAC. I agree. I think there's a good, I think there's a big fear around a lot of the newer technology. Like a lot of the conversations I hear are, have a lot of fear around them about where are they going? What are they doing? You know, and the tech world's having similar conversations. You know, there's there's requests to put a pause on a lot of this until an ethics board can be convened. And we can really discuss mm-hmm. about like, well, where, where do we put limits on this? Where do we put parameters around this? You know, mm-hmm. because there's there's no concerns right now for trademarks and copywritten material, things like that. It's, it's wild, wild west right now. And right. I think there's ways like this, is going to be part of the future. I mean, if I always say, look, when I was growing up, I was always told you won't be able to have a calculator in your back pocket, so you need to know this. <laughs> Guess what? I have Guess a calculator what? in my back pocket. Mm-hmm. Right. And on All my the wrist time. and on my screen. <laughs> exactly. And, and I think if we need to change that conversation, not only to make sure that we're not projecting our own insecurities and fears around some of this technology onto the next generation, but to make sure that we're equipping them. You know, my really good friend is head of the program at Minot State, Mary Houston, and she did her entire PhD program around like ethics and ethics and students and cheating and things like that. And mm-hmm. the research that she pulled from, and I mean, her thesis, I love referencing it. I send people to the link off of Scholar Google all the time for it because it's a really poignant point of like, you know, well, we don't want them to cheat, you know? And so a lot of people are like, well, we don't want to put the idea even in their head. And that's not how it works. The research Mm -hmm. tells us again and again, it's about having those actually explicit conversations about Mm -hmm. what is ethics and what is expected and what is considered cheating and having those conversations so that the upcoming next generation of SLPs or future of anything, tech, Mm -hmm. doctors, et cetera, that they're actually having 
this mindset of really knowing it's not them trying to figure it out for themselves. We're going to be really explicit what of like the correct ways to use technology and the ways to think about ethics and the ways to think about how we're serving our students and the ways we're using resources rather than avoiding resources at this point in time is going to give them the ability to adapt. We don't know what the next 40 years is going to look like. Like, I think all the time Mm -hmm. about what my great grandmother grew up with you know, to what she's seeing today. I cannot even imagine what my great grandchildren are going to be seeing. How do I make sure that I'm teaching other SLPs or even teaching students in my community programs, et cetera, how to make those decisions and how to utilize things, not be afraid of them, but how to think critically in order to adapt them and utilize them to best serve others while still keeping their own integrity intact. Yes. Amen. Preach, sister. Preach. <laughs> I got lots of soapboxes. Which one should we hit on next? <laughs> no, I I agree one hundred percent, and I and I think we we've we as a profession uh, really need to think very very um, strategically about this because I I agree with you. We you know you look at other allied health professions and they very more much more quickly than we do adopt these technologies and they're off off to the races, you know, using it. Um, and then we are kind of pumping along and trying to catch up. Uh, we need to we need to be at the forefront of all of this, uh, leading this more than we are or have been. Mm-hmm. But you're one of those people who are going to help us do that. So that's, that's, trying, that's exciting. Trying. That's exciting. <laughs> so everyone has to join SIG-18. If they're interested uh, in telepractice, they have to be there. <laughs> Yeah. And you guys have had a lot more events lately than I've seen in the past, too. I love that. Mm-hmm. So I um I ran for SIG-18 last year at mm-hmm. the prodding of a good, good friend who was the B6C coordinator mm-hmm. and uh, my mentor, Shari Robertson. Um, under extreme peer pressure, I submitted <laughs> my uh, ballot and then immediately forgot about it because I was sure, like, I wasn't going to win. Someone else mm-hmm. would. So I just forgot about it. So you say I can tell you exactly where I was when I opened the email that said, hey, congratulations. Mm-hmm. Um, so and that that was me. I've not been a part of a SIG before. I've not. Um, it's it's kind of been one of those things I've, I've I've been a part as like a member of a SIG, but never anything on the coordinating or the professional development committees or anything like that. And so um I, I got on and then um, very shortly thereafter learned that not only would I be on the committee, I'd be coordinator for the committee. <laughs> so um, kind of heading up the committee. So that was a little bit of a trial by fire throw in. But mm-hmm. I have such a fantastic team um, mm-hmm. on the coordinating committee. And we come from just lots of different walks of life. Um, you know, we've got people from we've got Tina from Puerto Rico. And, you know, we've got people who are professors and mm-hmm. then myself, who's just very much in the field. And, you know, what I really like is I was super passionate you know, with, and my team was really on the same page with me of what can we do that's applicable right away? Mm -hmm. And what can we do that's going to help the SLPs on the ground right now? And um, so when you're on a coordinating committee, you've got a certain amount of things you have to do each year. Pretty sure we met that back in like March or April (laughs) (laughs) with all the events we'd been hosting and such, uh, minus our open house in um, November. Um, But my team and even our ex officio, which is our ASHA employee that we work alongside has been very supportive. And right now we have something planned for almost every single month this year. And a lot of it we've been able to open up to people who you don't have to be a SIG 18 affiliate yeah. to attend a lot of our events. Because again, we really want this information to be getting out there to be accessible to really make sure that people are um, 
staying legal, that people yeah. know what's happening with the end of the public health emergency, that people understand what licensure rules require mm-hmm. and then why the interstate compact is delayed again, understand like tips and tricks for hitting the ground, running those kinds of pieces. Yeah. And yeah. if anyone attended our open house, it's, we also have a lot of fun together. So sure. <laughs> we're yeah. good at like laughing and being goofy, but no, it's, it's been really, it's been really fun. And I, I really got a better understanding of the SIG and how, how much even just being in the SIG, uh, you know, we have elected positions like mine, but then we also have volunteer positions. Like we need more people mm-hmm. on our professional development committee, which are the people who get to help us come up with the ideas of what's the next event, what's the next talk we're going to do, what's the next journal yeah. club, like how can we get more of this information out to people, you know? Um, but really being able to see, well, now you're actually more in ASHA, you've got access to direct access to ASHA employees and being able to say, hey, we've got a problem here. Hey, we need answers on this. Hey, can we get an outline for this or a flow chart for that? And really being able to have some of those conversations. So ASHA is also more aware of what's going on in the ground, at least yeah. in SIG 18, when it comes directly to telepractice. And hopefully we'll quit seeing questions on Facebook groups of, my family's going on vacation. Do I need to be licensed where they're going? It's only one week. If not, they're not changing their residence. (laughs) In which you'll usually see my name somewhere in the comments. So. (laughs) Right. Just a minute. New soapbox. Here we go. (laughs) Well, I I want you to know that for SIG 18, if you need anything at all, please just call Kim. (laughs) <laughs> I think you've been volatile. <laughs> I, I felt like he was going to do it. Hey, that's how this podcast started. I'm just kidding. Is that he said, do you want to be on a podcast with me? And then he made me do the outline for the first 10 episodes. <laughs> and because I was still in he is my professor mode. <laughs> exactly. 10 years, I did it. I did what I was told. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and, and here we are three years later. So it worked out. It worked. It worked out. It worked out. No, I've I'm a bit. I've been a member of of Sig 18 in the past, and and been on the committee and edited way back when when we first started the the journal. The the perspectives. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm I'm very happy to be involved if you need anything. So right. Yeah. I'm sure Kim would be as well. I would be as well. (laughs) (laughs) We always, always need help. But even the support, even the sharing of the events and stuff, our attendance, we actually, I just got the data actually today just to show the difference even from last year to this year. And like the amount of people who've signed up for events and actually attended the events they've signed Mm -hmm. up for it. And we're on on a good trend right now, which is really exciting, which I hope means that we're meeting the needs out there and getting people the information they need. Cause that's what I'm really passionate about is what information they need. And then how do we give a direct, like our last talk, we actually had a panel on it of like people who actually were SLPs who were fighting to get licenses and what their experiences Mm -hmm. had been. Because I really want, you know, I do the same thing in my courses, same things when I do talks and stuff, I really hope that it ends with something applicable. Cause I think that's as SLPs, especially those, you know, on the ground, seeing clients, we don't have a lot of time to be reading everything all the time or yeah. digesting information and then figuring out the application aspect. And I think that's, I think that's the way a lot of us are able to hopefully meet a need is that we can, you know, give that application piece to like present that as well in a platter so that you don't have to now process all this extensive information I gave you and figure out what to do with it. Like, yeah. here's your first three steps. Yeah. Go get them. Right. Yep. Yeah. And I definitely came out of your talk about the international um, services with that. And even if you're not working internationally, I think just those pieces of being aware, like I always join my school's Facebook group and Instagram and all of those. So I'm aware, like, 
assemblings going on. This kid got this award and all of those. I think even if you're not practicing internationally, that's the piece that I think is still applicable and that I walked away from you today and that and that talk at Ashef with. Yeah, I think it's I think telepractice offers I'm I'm a very big proponent of telepractice. I think it's a fantastic service delivery model. And it comes with its own unique hurdles that are very different from being yeah. in person. Yeah. And I think finding ways to be a part of the community, whether like so, you said, whether it's just yeah. the school community, whether it's you know, what's the top news stories in Hong Kong or, you know, what are, what are my students excited about or what are they worried about? You know, what are the festivals happening in their communities? Even if I'm not part of the communities, you know, I think I I agree with you wholeheartedly, Kim, that it's being plugged in and connected to those Mm -hmm. communities, give you a better sense of your clients and their families and what's important and happening in their worlds as well. Exactly. Well, Tara, we want to be respectful of your time. So how can people reach out to you and get in touch when they want to say hello or just uh, pick your brain? I am Speechy Keen SLP pretty much across the board, whether it's on Twitter, whether it's on Instagram, whether it's um, on Facebook, uh, SpeechyKeenSLP.com. That's Speechy with a Y, even though I know there's no Y in IPA. <laughs> yes, yes. That's how I help people remember it. That's why I got 99 on my phonetics final, y'all. <laughs> I forgot there was no Y in IPA, and it's haunted me ever since. <laughs> uh, there's, al- there's always one student that uh, just keeps forgetting. Todd's teaching that this summer. So it's on the brain. Yep. But yeah, that's me across the board, or um, the telepracticecourse.com is also where my course is and has my contact information there as well. Great. Well, you're, you're going to have to come back soon, and yeah, is, we have so we much have more so we want to talk about. So many soapboxes, too. <laughs> That's right. So many soapboxes. I have them all. <laughs> so we'll get you scheduled very soon. Come back. We'll do another one. Great. Yeah. Sounds wonderful. Thank you, guys. This is Maria Houston filling in for Todd today. We'd like to thank Tara for joining us on the podcast. She has such great information about international telepractice and will definitely have her back on the podcast very soon. You can contact Tara at SpeechyKeenSLP on Instagram or on her website at www.SpeechyKeenSLP.com. We'd also like to thank you for joining us this episode. Please leave us a five-star review, which will help us attract new listeners and subscribers. We'll be back next week with another new episode. So until then, be safe and be kind. This has been a production of the 3C Digital Media Network.